Hi, good morning. Um, this is Mary, and I'm here to talk about the very beginning journey for me and hopefully just give some information and questions and just things that may help others that are at the beginning of the journey with a diagnosis for trisomy 18, trisomy 13, really anybody facing a big challenge, um, this could apply to as well. So I am um, thinking about this and I'm thinking I'm going to kind of do two things. I'm going to share a little more um, information, just personal about what we went through because I find people appreciate that. And then I'm going to um, maybe give a little bit of uh, advice or instructions, maybe not even advice, but just techniques. What I have come to learn with being a medical parent is that there are formulas, there are um, steps to take, and it kind of brings order to a very chaotic role being a medical parent. It's so unique because there is chaos and there is individuality and there is your own way. So if I were to tell you exactly how to treat, take care of, and accept your trisomy 18 diagnosis within your life, your family, of course it wouldn't be exactly what you need. But if I didn't share some things with you that were shared with me and things that I also learned on my way, then I really feel like I would not be, um, it would not be right. I feel like I'd be withholding. So that's where I have this urgency to almost teach. And um, I apologize if it comes off preachy. The point is not to be preachy or um, a know-it-all. The point is to share knowledge that I've gained. Um, I have very limited time, being that I have six kids, and I have to sneak away and hide <laughs> and do this. So if I ever sound really urgent, it's usually I'm avoiding um, a beeping alarm that's about to come or a person talking to me. So um, hopefully that makes sense. So with that, I'll get started. When I was first diagnosed with, um, it wasn't actually me, but I was pregnant. So when Rose was diagnosed with um, trisomy 18, we were given warning as early as about 10 weeks pregnant. So I am very grateful for that. I have had people ask me um, how I did that, that they would rather not know that they couldn't go through their entire pregnancy with that weight on them and they would have never enjoyed the pregnancy. I have a lot of thoughts on that. I am very grateful that I knew. I am certain that knowing just started the amazing journey all the sooner. And the journey towards acceptance and then taking on my calling as being her advocate. So for me, for the area I live in, for the care I had to advocate for, um, that was a gift from God that we knew early. And I say that even getting the chills right now because I am definitely one of those people that with my other children, I felt very, very convicted and um, proud of the fact that I wanted none of that allopathic over-testing. I wanted none of that labeling. I didn't care if my child had cystic fibrosis. I denied those tests in a minute 
because I felt like this parent that would never terminate their child, that no result would ever stop me from loving my child. And so why in the world would I go poking around trying to offer them a chance to um, tell me my child wasn't good enough? So with all my other children, even when I was an older parent, even when I was advanced maternal age, I very um, proudly denied um, all those tests. So I completely understand where somebody is when they don't even want those tests. That is up to them. And I truly believe that God's purpose can work in any situation. So that's yours to think about if you want to do the um, early on testing. For me, it was crucial. And I personally would do it all over again. So that's that. Um, What happened with me is when I got pregnant with Rose, I was at a very human, human, humble place. Um, We had to move from our home. We weren't able to pay our rent. My husband had lost his job. Um, But we also had many blessings, healthy children, loving family. Um, My husband is employable. He could go get another job. So we were safe. I don't want to make it sound like we were in crisis, but we were in stress, definitely, definitely high stress. And when I got the news that this baby could have problems, my thought was two things. Rose is going to pass. This is a miscarriage that I got to know about. So we're going to love her and name her and celebrate her. And then we're going to find a place in this cause and advocate for T18 and we or child loss. And so I just pretty much thought it was going to be that outcome or the other outcome, a complete healing. <laughs> I didn't really even think of it as a healing or pray for a healing. I prayed for a mistake in the allopathic medicines testing. I prayed for a mistake in um, records getting crossed, blood work getting crossed, anything. I just kind of expected this big um, mistake that would come out and then my child would be my um, baby girl and she would be healthy and good, and we would still advocate and help those that weren't as lucky as us. Well, neither of those happened. Um, Rose did not miscarry. Rose was a beautiful pregnancy. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Um, I didn't face the challenge of extra fluid, which a lot of trisomy parents do. I didn't face half of the challenges with my other children because Rose was tiny. She was taco breech and she remained up very high and in a little ball, um, which isn't necessarily good, but for a busy mom, um, she was an extremely simple pregnancy in that way. So my mind could be um, busy with learning and advocating and jumping into the world of child medicine and jumping in the world of advocating for patients' rights and the world of heart surgery, learning about her heart. So uh, just it was a blessing, and the pregnancy just started a journey in me that I am very grateful for. Definitely its own um, type of education. So I don't. hopefully that might guide people on their testing. As far as the amnios and tesis goes, This is very, very controversial. I sometimes feel like the only person (laughs) 
<laughs> in our rare trisomy community that does say, yes, I got the amnio, and yes, I would encourage other people to get the amnio. But I strongly believe that is each person's choice, and they can't really go wrong. I'm learning that as I um, move on. There are some things that I am going to just lose sleep over and urge parents to move forward with. And then there's some things that, of course, I just say that would be okay. The amnio, I strongly would encourage as well. But again, for me, it was the right choice. Our medical care was very biased. I um, am going to make a very stereotypical comment right here, but I venture to say most is. I would venture to say most medical care is biased and is not going to, um, I don't know how to word this, they may have a hidden agenda or they might not even see it as a hidden agenda, but a hidden belief that your child won't make it. So you need to get that out on the table right away. You need to know that so you can call it out and you guys can come to a true um, common ground. An amniocentesis gave me, for the medical world, proof that my daughter was full T18. I was very scared to go big and get that label because it seemed to me the children that were living were ones that slipped under the radar, that were born considered being typical, and then they um, got to go to NICUs. And when a trisomy 18 child is born, they are like a preemie. And this is where I talk about there's kind of a formula. This I'm going to say to every single parent. Advocate for your child as if they were a preterm child. They're a child that you love, you want to live, you went into labor early, you're 26 to 32 weeks pregnant, just imagine that, and you have a baby, and that baby needs the NICU care. If our trisomy 18 community was treated like that, we would see a lot more children with trisomy 18. They need intensive care at birth. And if your child doesn't, wonderful. Still, still fight for them to be in the NICU because sometimes the work of breathing and sometimes the hidden anomalies that you might not know about, they need to be assessed so that your child can get the support to feed and grow and then you can plan and find fair care for what surgeries they need. The neonate time is super, super fragile. It needs protection. And I will tell you that as a parent, that is where you are needed the most. Um, it's also a time you can't really do anything. So you also need to rest and work on your care plans and network with other parents, but it is such an important time. So I can't stress that enough. Your pregnancy, um, you're just going to learn and grow, and hopefully you can practice times of calm and faith and then times of action because you're going to need it. When the baby's born, that is very intense. So I'm not sure how long I want to make this. I sure hope this is helping people. Um, I'm ending up going in and out of my personal story and then what I think people should do. But I feel like I have covered three things so far. Um, the early on testing. So the first um, MPI testing that I did 
it was the testing that's lumped together with um, like cystic fibrosis and different chromosomal or genetic uh, disorders. So that's where they discovered mine. And do you know why I took that test? Because I was broken and tired and scared and I just wanted to know her gender. <laughs> I have four boys. I have a stepdaughter, but I'm a mother of boys. And I thought, maybe this is my girl. So I just was like, sure. And I let him take my blood. And it was more just of a place of honestly wanting to just know her gender. And I really would have embraced a boy, of course. But um, that's really where it came from. And oh my goodness, did did that kind of silly desire sure save my daughter's life. So go with your gut. Um, my amnio was from a doctor that was not for my child. But even then, I took him aside, and I explained that he was to do his best work ever. Um, even before he inserted the needle, I said a prayer with him. <laughs> so, you know, I really felt protected. So that's everybody's own journey. Um, it hurt. It, it hurt. But my friend prepared me. She told me every detail what it would be like, and it was exactly like she told me. And um, I am so glad I did it. So the early on testing, yes, I did it. Yes, I'm glad. Um, first results showed about a 90% chance that this could be trisomy 18. My second blood test showed a 98% chance that Rose could be trisomy 18. My amniocentesis showed 99.1% that Rose was trisomy 18. Um, at birth, Rose had a um, karyotype done from her blood. It showed she is full trisomy 18. So those three or four tests, if you count her one after birth, yes, I do recommend. I also want to share something, and I don't want to scare people, but it's no longer a time where you can have a baby and you can just hope to hang out for a while till they discover they have a rare trisomy and then your kid will be treated because testing is getting more and more efficient and it's coming back sooner and um, even though it can be wrong, you know, it can be wrong, um, they still will take that in the neonate time as a treat or don't treat uh, ruler almost. And if your child falls on a side that their institution does not feel um, is compatible with life, they will pull the care. And it is very scary. And it is not done in a very clear way. So I do want to urge parents to be prepared for that. And I will do a different podcast on that because that I have extremely clear steps and extreme um, warnings that I want to give people for red flags. So I'll do that on a different podcast. But I do want to throw it out there that I think the um, very first test that showed me Rose was at risk got me looking at T18. It had me first listening to their ideas of what T18 was. Then it got me looking to parents of kids with T18 and hearing their stories and seeing the vast difference of hearing no life and then seeing life. Um, then it stirred me to start to share with my family and to really grieve Rose. I was almost already planning her memorial, sharing with my brother what date I thought maybe he should come out um, with his family to maybe um, mourn Rose or attend her memorial service. Um, I really just began planning her death. Till one day I didn't. Um, till one day it all clicked and I prayed to God um, about 
Is it okay to ask for heart surgery? Is it okay to shove a tube down my child's throat? Is it okay to cut her open and risk her dying on a table? This is what my medical care told me. And I got the biggest gift in the world with that prayer. I got the biggest gift in the world. It was just, yes, do it. And I'm going to cry because it just was the most beautiful gift when you're handed a perfectly healthy baby and you feel the gift of that and you feel those moments before the exhaustion sets in and before the new parent complaining sets in and the sleep deprivation just drives you crazy. But you do have that gratitude and you just look at all the fingers and the toes and you scoop that baby up and you hug them and you just feel so much gratitude. I got that same feeling. So I want to share with parents of children who are not typical, for the parents of children who are not perfect, when you cringe because our society says, boy, girl, who cares long as they're healthy? We cringe at that. Parents with um, medically fragile children, we hate that. So please don't say that around us. Um, I don't care. I'm just going to put that out there. Don't don't say it, okay? It's like the R word as well. It's just don't say it. Um, but I'm going to say it right now. In that moment when I prayed if it's okay to completely medically intervene for my child to the point that a ventilator is keeping her alive, is that okay? And I was just given scripture to go to and, and peace and energy and excitement. And I no longer prayed away T18. And I no longer waited for... The results showing me they took some other woman's blood, not mine. <laughs> I embraced it. And oh my gosh, it has just been a wild ride. Um, so I really want to encourage people when they're given any kind of statement that defines them or their life or any kind of um, fact that tells them what their child will and will not do. I really want to encourage you to sit with it feel it, just let it um, circle through you and change you and change the way you're with the people you love and just let it be what it is. And then I want you to um, go research and learn and do a little bit of education. Uh, you're going to be in rooms challenging doctors. <laughs> it's okay to act a little bit like a student. Um, at this time, it's okay because you're going to eventually, honestly, you're going to be telling them what to do. And I, I'm not kidding when I say that. You will be. So you're going to um, learn that. And that takes time. Then I want to encourage people to um, just have a voice. Just have a voice. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just don't hide. Just have a voice. Um, and there's help with that. We, our community is amazing. We can help with birth plans. We can point you in the right direction of safer, safer hospitals. And we can really just lift you up. Uh, we're a funny group too. I, there is some amazing parents in the rare trisomy world. I mean, like I could just start laughing right now thinking of my friend Heidi who <laughs> would go after anyone that didn't advocate for Rose. <laughs> And I and my friend Sarah, whose little girl has D21, she's just Rose's biggest fan. Um, you are going to just meet the most amazing people. Just 
and so many angel moms, Jamie, oh my gosh, Natalie, um, angel moms are the best because they have been where we all fear to go and they come back to still love us and love our children. And, um, I'm just so grateful for everyone. I'm going to wrap this up and I really hope this helps. And again, this may just be more for one person that needs to hear it. I'm going to still air it, even though I got very chatty. Um, or this may be for a lot of people. I don't know. This may just be for me. <laughs> but I want to end it with um, a quick um, reference to uh, a valley of uh, Elah. And I so apologize if I'm saying that wrong. I'm, I'm sorry. But it's basically where the conflict and the big challenge of um, David and Goliath took place. And I just want to say that when you're given a diagnosis that's terminal for your child and then you fight for their right to live and then all of a sudden you're in charge. Um, if your child lives, you're handed this child to bring home and give them quality of life. And I pray for everybody because it really has helped me to have God with me. It's not me. It really isn't. And um, we need it. And we need each other too. So um, if you are in this valley and you're facing this giant, giant Goliath, I just want to encourage you to have faith. Um, just have faith and take one step at a time. And you'd be so surprised what our kind of homemade slingshot <laughs> rocks can do when they land in the right spot of that giant. And I hope in the next weeks to come in this podcast, I can give you guys kind of a clear idea of that sweet spot, that sweet spot to hit. <laughs> um, so if you are familiar with the David and Goliath story, David, young, small shepherd boy, battling a huge, huge giant soldier, full armor, uh, a warrior, huge giant, small little shepherd kid boy. So with just slinging his slingshot, circling it, releasing it, he hits right in the correct spot, and Goliath goes down. This is absolutely a story like that. When you have a child that's medical care is discriminated and there is prejudice with it, you have to come armed. But you don't have to waste your time um, uh, buying guns, sharpening swords, wearing crazy, crazy armor. You just need to gather the right things. And it really is about three things. You need your birth plan. You need your consult list. We'll, I'll give you ideas for that later. And you need your Bible. <laughs> if not your Bible, you need whatever you need that gives you faith, that gives you purpose, that tells you you are valuable so your child matters, you matter, your voice matters, use it. So you need those three things. You need, again, you need your birth plan, you need your consults, and you need you. You need you. You need, for me, it was me, my Bible, the Holy Spirit, knowing I'm a child of God, knowing roses too, speaking for us as human beings, as children of God, that matter, and we will be seen. So those three things, um, 
I, those three things, I hope you take away from this that you can grow those three things in this time and those three things can be your shield. And our angel parents, I would love at some point to talk more about them, but I'll do that on a different podcast. But should your child pass, I truly believe that you will shed tears But one day they will be wiped away and one day you will be told, well done. And I truly believe your child is at peace and I truly believe they are in a beautiful place. And I just want to encourage everybody that took the time to listen to this to just allow some peace to come into our journey and Do not grow weary of doing good and know that you will be raised up on eagle's wings when needed and take a deep breath and have faith when we're told to be still. I think there's a time and a purpose for everything and I just want to say thank you for listening and I hope you have a great day. If you're still listening, this is me walking to my daughter's feed pump. (laughs) All right. Have a good day, guys.